Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jamie Creel with Shelter Insurance. Come see how we've built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our Switch and Save. Located in Ridgeland and Florida, Mississippi, give us a call, 601-992-6000. This is Rebecca Turner, and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Super Talk Mississippi. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. You're listening to Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. Bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people, places, and things to do. Now, now, here's Rebecca. Good afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You're tuned into your radio happy hour. That's the good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. We've got Rhino in studio today. Now, don't forget, you can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Super Talk Mississippi app. You can always find us, too, on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station, and you can watch good things. We're on your computer or your mobile device. Just head on over to Super Talk TV. Now, chances are you or someone you have loved has suffered from a stroke, or at minimum, you probably are at risk for one, and you may not know it. So today we're going to raise your awareness around stroke. And joining us is Dr. Badia. He's the assistant professor of neurology clerkship and co-director at UMMC. And he knows all things stroke. So welcome. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for having me. And I think as I'm putting my dietitian's hat on today here on Good Things, and I think this is something that needs to be talked about because between the two, whether you have you have stroke and then obviously you have um, heart disease or you could have a heart attack. I don't want either one of those. But I feel like stroke gets less awareness, right? We always talk about heart attack, but then we forget you've got this other really big thing that can happen and can have some major consequences if death isn't the consequence. So let's start with the simple question. <laughs> what is a stroke? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a very good question, actually. So, yeah, stroke uh, is a is a medical emergency, actually, and the way we describe it is uh, if a blood vessel in your brain gets blocked or gets ruptured, um, our brain tissue starts to die out, and it shows up in some specific symptoms. This is what technically a stroke is. Um, in layman words, some people call it as brain attack, just as analogy to uh, heart attack. Oh, I've never heard that. That's yeah. good, though. Uh, but um, that's what stroke is. Um, now, the most common ones are, of course, the clotting ones that we usually refer to. Um, but uh, there are bleeding kind of strokes, uh, which are also a big proportion of uh, that comes under the umbrella term of stroke. So are there different kinds? And then I guess the most thing people are going to know is like what causes them because right. everybody wants to stop it. And I can go ahead and tell you a lot of the things you don't want to hear because you've already heard it. And you're not doing it like your mama told you eat your fruits and vegetables. But there's some other causes too to the different sort of kinds. Yes. Um, so like I said, the most common ones are the clotting ones. And, and they have traditionally been associated with the classical risk factors that we all talk about uh, more in the background of a heart attack. Uh, like blood pressure, cholesterol, uh, diabetes, uh, smoking, um, uh, a heart rhythm disorder like atrial fibrillation. Um, and they, they also have been associated with stroke in these, uh, in this, in this setting. Uh, but the bleeding ones uh, are actually more associated with uh, blood pressure, high un- uncontrolled blood pressure for a long time. And uh, there's a specific subset of the bleeding strokes which are related to the aneurysms. 
um, aneurysms are nothing but just out pouchings uh, in a blood vessel at a weaker point in the blood vessel. Um, they just grow with time, and then um, um, with the long-standing uncontrolled blood pressure, they just rupture and bleed and damage that part of the brain. So that's another specific kind of a bleeding stroke. So the scarier thing, I would think, is the, the long-term um, uncontrolled hypertension that you may have had or you're, you've just dismissed from your doctor because the sad part is you've probably gotten used to living with high blood pressure and elevated, and so it feels n- normal even though it's not to you. And then sometimes normal blood pressure can feel abnormal once you get it under control. But we've all heard this uh, term, Dr. Badia, of like you need to stop before you stroke out. So can you can you get so hypervigilant that you have a, like your like stress anxiety like in a tense moment can that cause a stroke yeah that's a good question so when we talk about stroke it's really important for a patient of course themselves and also for the caregivers the family to recognize some signs and symptoms which could be concerning for a stroke or at least uh, uh, demands uh, that you call 911 and and get the uh, go to the nearest emergency department and the easy way to remember is uh, by an acronym called BFAST. So uh, B stands for balance. So if somebody has any sudden onset dizziness or they're just wobbly or they just don't feel right with the balance, you know, that could be a sign. Uh, e stands for eye. So if you have suddenly lost vision in one eye or both eyes or you just started seeing double, uh, that could be something concerning. And uh, F stats for facial. So if you've started feeling numbness or weakness on any one side of the face or somebody around you uh, notices that your face is suddenly asymmetrical, it's just droopy on one side and uh, you just have you're just drooling from one side or one corner of the mouth. That's concerning. A is for arm. So if your arm just suddenly becomes weak or numb. That, that, that is a warning sign that you may, are, you having a stroke or you, you're just starting to have one. Um, and T is for time, most importantly. Um, I, I think I missed S. S is for speech. Um, so anytime that you feel that your speech is abnormal, which could be just simple as missing words, you're just not understanding anything that people are talking around you, or you have a chain of thoughts, but you just cannot get it out. Um, that's a speech problem, and that could be a sign of stroke. And the last is the T, which is time, and it's very sensitive that you recognize and then call 911. Um, you know, it's, I cannot emphasize more that um, stroke is recognition of stroke is very important, and it's very time sensitive. So every 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 minute that passes by with your brain not getting enough oxygen or blood. That's the, uh, it just predisposes your brain to lose that amount of function and, and, and very less chances of it, uh, of recovering it back. So that's why time is very important to recognize and, and seek help. And that's why this conversation today on good things to me is so important because there's a commercial going around, Dr. Body, and I can't think of who puts it out. It's probably someone connected with Stroke Association, if that's a thing or whatever. But the guy is like talking in his head and someone's asking him all these questions and he's like, I'm having a stroke. I'm having a stroke. And so sometimes those that are, they can't really verbalize it or get it. But if you recognize it, if we're all sort of keen on what BFAST means and can spot it and not allow that person 
to blow it off or to just because, I mean, I think that's what we do here in the South, specifically men and women. We just make excuses for our symptoms when that time is so important that it, you know, we just need to go ahead and check it off the list. If it's not, it's not. And that's great. But then if it was. We can get seen about. Yeah, that's actually correct. So we we hear this so often, actually. Um, Patients sometimes start uh, feeling something abnormal about their body on one side or their face or their their hand, their arm. And sometimes, at least least a general uh, response is to sleep over it, thinking that these symptoms will go away with time and it's just you're just having an off day. But uh, actually, most of the times, it turns out that those were your stroke symptoms and they just taught it and you just uh, um, didn't recognize it or didn't seek help or raise alarm to come to the closest ED. Now, I know when you have like a massive stroke, that's like really you need to get to the, I mean, when you're at the hospital, there's like things to do. But if you feel like you're just having a stroke, but you're really not sure because you're still kind of functional, but you still don't feel right. When you get to the hospital, Dr. Radia, what what are they going to do to help you? Like in that time sensitive moment, can they stop a stroke or are they going to be able to just monitor you? Like what are they doing? Right. So um, um, the priority for anybody who's having stroke or concerns of stroke comes to the ED is to get them uh, in, check their blood pressure, take a good history and get them to a CAT scanner as soon as possible. Um like we were talking about in the beginning, it's very important to differentiate the two kinds of stroke, the clotting kind and the bleeding kind. Um, because if patients come to us within a, a specific early time period, up to four and a half hours, uh, there's actually a, a therapy, it's called clot, clot busting therapy or a TPA that we can offer uh, once we've ruled out all the bleeding risks uh, in clotting kind of strokes. So that's why it's imperative to reach to a hospital as soon as possible um, so that we can rule out your bleeding risk, we can rule out other risk factors that may be causing you a stroke, and if you are within the timeline, we can offer you this this clot-busting medication. If you've had a stroke once and obviously survived with minimal um, lasting effects, what's the likelihood that are you now at like quadruple high risk of having another one? Yeah, so that's a good question. So you are definitely at a higher risk of stroke as compared to the general population. So as a matter of fact, of uh, close to 800,000 Americans uh, have stroke in a year, uh, but one-fourth of them are recurrent stroke. So uh, there is a 25% chance that uh, you're going to have another recurrent stroke in, at some point in life. Um, so it definitely raises your risk. Um, but uh, I think vigilance, control of your risk factors, and just knowing what your body uh, has gone through before, you're 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 very likely that you're going to recognize your second set of symptoms, and that's what we usually talk about in stroke prevention, which we will get to next uh, here on Good Things uh, with Dr. Badia.
making your afternoon just a little brighter. It's Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to Good Things. Don't forget we are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from your Supertalk Mississippi app. You can always find us, too, on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. And today on Good Things, we're continuing our conversation with Dr. Badia. He's Assistant Professor of Neurology Clerkship, Co-Director at UMMC, and he's helping raising our awareness about stroke. And that's pretty important because, Dr. Badia, I know you just said, you know, you just told me in the break you were looking at some numbers uh, in terms of Mississippi. But where are we on the list of uh, stroke um, incidences? Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, recently, as per the most recent numbers, um, until 2020, stroke was actually the seventh leading cause of death in the state. Um, and now, as per the lot latest 2021 CDC data, uh, we are on the number six cause, uh, with stroke being the cause of death. Um, so we are definitely on the higher rank when it comes to stroke deaths. Um, and majority of that is just because... Um, the risk factors uh, amongst Mississippians is just a little on the higher side, especially with the blood pressure, uh, cholesterol, diabetes. And and in, in total, um, they do add up to your cardiovascular diseases and mortality uh, and stroke being one of them. So, yeah. So what I'm hearing from you, though, I was hearing blood pressure. And if that is the one thing you could focus on today, if you don't take away anyway, anything else from our conversation here on good things would be focus on your blood pressure and managing it in whatever way that looks right. And then you're going to decrease your risk of stroke tremendously. Yeah, I think the numbers really matter. And that's what we encourage our patients to keep a track of the numbers. Um, maybe just a diary that just records your blood pressure once every day. Keep a track of it when you go to your primary care doctor to discuss. Um, but uh, one thing I can, uh, I think our listeners that need to be aware about the magic number that need, they need to uh, figure out on their blood pressure, it's 140 by 90. Uh, that's the number that you need to be uh, below um, to manage your blood pressure appropriately well. And um, and it becomes really important to just be in regular touch with your primary care doctors. If you need a medicine, take it regularly. Be compliant with it. Say that again for the people in the back. <laughs> 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 so if, yeah, they, if it's it, you because I do feel like and this has even happened in our own family with with some and maybe you fall into this and that's not poking fun but with great with great respect it, it, even if your blood pressure is good one day it's not like Tylenol or Rabil that you take if a pain occurs you have to take that consistently or it doesn't work consistently right and and that's well said actually so it's just not one number one day uh, it's the history of long standing blood pressure that actually contributes more. Of course, the spikes matter, and that that can tilt the balance towards the negative side in a patient who's just had a blood pressure long history. But um, one fine day, if your number is good, that doesn't mean you stop your medications acutely and you think that your numbers are under control, so you don't have hypertension anymore. Uh, your dosages may need to be adjusted working with your primary care doctor, but uh, but you should not stop your medication. 
And that's a wonderful thing. If you make those changes in your lifestyle that lead to an improved uh, blood pressure uh, naturally, that is like high five hugs. And so, yes, you may get to back off and hopefully be able to alleviate having to take any. But that is a conversation you should have, you know, with your doctor for sure. Okay, Dr. Body, there's another sort of word that goes around is these mini strokes or TIAs. So we think of the massive strokes and those are those are super scary um, and they come on quickly and then um, they're very obvious. But it's the mini strokes that kind of lead us like not as scared in our pants i think as we should be yeah so many strokes uh, take uh, the more clinical word is the tia or transient ischemic attack and i usually refrain from using the word mini stroke just because uh Sometimes people think it's a mini stroke, so it's just uh, a minor thing. It's a milder thing, and um, things will get better with time. Um, but it's it's just your transient stroke symptoms. So it's the temporary blood flow that's getting blocked. So your symptoms are transient. Um, but that's the hope, that they remain transient or they recover. Uh, you don't know at that time whether this will develop into a full-blown stroke or your symptoms will resolve. So that's why even TIA is a medical emergency, means that as soon as you're having any symptoms which could be concerning for stroke, if you remember the acronym BFAST, irrespective of how long they have been going on, as soon as you recognize you need to come to the closest emergency department or dial 911 to get you to the emergency department. it's, it's good that the TIA sometimes resolves within minutes mm-hmm. or seconds, but what happens is such patients are actually at a higher risk of having stroke in the next 90 days. And the most and the highest risk amongst those 90 days is within the first 48 hours. So that's why it's important to uh, seek medical help. You know, we may be able to see what's causing your transient symptoms and we may be able to uh, offer help in correcting those risk factors or get you on a heart rhythm monitor if if it's the cardiac arrhythmia that's causing it. So even if it's minor, doesn't mean that... Uh, Something major is not headed exactly. around the corner. And what are those some of those treatments? I know when people start hearing treatments and all, it can be what are risks, what are side effects that can keep them from coming. So what are some of those when they come in, Dr. Badia? Right, right. So I usually uh, divide them into an acute phase, which is what we talked about. If somebody's having a clotting kind of stroke, and you come within the first four and a half hours, and if you don't have a bleed in your brain, um, and uh, if you don't have other bleeding risk factors, we can offer you a clot-busting medication. Of course, uh, individual patient scenarios will, will change, and will not everybody may qualify, but it's still an option, which cannot be ruled out until you come and get evaluated. After the acute phase comes more of a period where uh, you maintain things and you prevent things. So control of your blood pressure. Um, if you've had a clotting kind of stroke, you need to be on an antiplatelet therapy. Um, there are certain options. Um, and then that again goes with, with going over your individual risk factors and tailoring these therapies as per your needs. Uh, most common is the aspirin that we keep talking about when it comes to heart attacks. So that's a kind of an antiplatelet therapy. Um, controlling your blood sugars. Um, it's really important to manage your blood sugar even in the acute period because uh, higher blood sugars have shown that your stroke outcomes uh, can be bad because your stroke may, may, may progress, may get bigger. So it becomes important to control that too during the acute phase. 
Um, cholesterol is something we really emphasize on, um, and we, we do use some cholesterol-loading medications. Most common is the atorvastatin, or it's also known as the Lipitor. A lot of patients with heart disease are on it. Um, once These are the big risk factors that we control in the acute setting and going forward. Um, but ultimately, one of the the other factors that you need to control as far as prevention is concerned is your um, maintaining an optimum weight, uh, exercise, diet, smoking. Um, and um, even though uh, it's more of preventive, but every time we see a patient in the hospital or also in the clinic going forward, we do encourage and we reemphasize about the importance of controlling all these things. You've given us a lot of good information today, Dr. Badia. If someone is struck, struck by this, but that may not be the right terminology, um, by it or at least convicted or just feel like they have some concerns or would like to get connected with a doctor to follow them precisely for this, do they go to the primary primary care? Do they come to a stroke specialist? Like, what's the next step? Yeah, so once the acute period is gone, I think uh, – um, it gets really important to follow up with a with a stroke doctor or a neurologist even um, and um, um, the long term care depends on basically uh, um, a collaborative effort between your primary care doctor and a neurologist um, a neurologist is is going to monitor how much your improvement is happening with certain scales that they can measure the functional outcomes with. And uh, that goes hand-in-hand with controlling the other risk factors that you have. That's why the importance of uh, following up with your primary care doctor becomes important. So it's not a one-man show. It's a team effort. Um, And um, um, depending on your stroke deficits, we often actually um, refer people or collaborate with a physical therapist, occupational therapist, speech therapist, so, again, it's a very multidisciplinary approach when it comes to management of stroke. And there should be no sense of, of guilt or shame or anything around if you've had one or if you feel like you're at high risk with one. Today's conversation is all about raising awareness because if we can, we want to prevent them. We want you to never have one, right? And then if you have, we want to make sure that you're taking care of yourself to the point that you don't. And then also knowing that be fast uh, so we can take care of those uh, around us. Dr. Body, if we want more information on you or your clinic or wherever you're at, how do we get that? Yeah, so uh, all the information, I think, uh, is at the UMMC website. Uh, and um, of course, uh, there's numbers. There's uh, uh, my. Um, I don't have a personal clinic, but I work with the the hospital majorly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think it's important to, um, if you're having acute stroke symptoms, to dial nine one one, come to the emergency department, and um, if somebody's had a stroke and they need a a stroke follow up in the clinic, in the neurology clinic, your primary care doctors can work and send referrals to the stroke neurologist in the community. Balance, eyes, face, arm, speech, time. I did it! I passed the test to the be fast, and it works, and we can all take care of one another, which I think is such a good thing. Uh, Dr. Badia, thank you for your time. You're welcome. All you're doing here in Mississippi to keep us healthy. And you guys stick with us. we got more for you coming up next. Rebecca Turner. She looks healthy and sane. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi.
watch good things on computer, remote device. You can watch it on Roku, Amazon Fire TV devices, even YouTube. You can also catch good things live on C Spire TV. If you've got that, we're on Channel 70, right next to the Weather Channel, which is bringing in a little rain across the state of Mississippi, which I think everyone is a big sigh of relief to see that. Don't forget, to you can catch us in podcast form wherever you listen to podcasts. And the best way to stay connected to good things, we always tell you this, is to be part of the Good Things Facebook group. If you choose to be on the Book of Faces, you do not have to be just for us. Please don't. Don't do that. <laughs> but if you're already on there and wasting away half your life scrolling, doom scrolling, as they say, at least let a couple of positive things pop up along the way. And that's what we do there on the Good Things Facebook group. One um, headline that made its way over there, I think over the weekend or the last couple of days, was the first welding class of women inmates graduates from the MDOC program. And I think this is a really cool thing. So there was a handful of females, 10 to be exact, at the Mississippi Correctional Institute for Women. They have become the first ever graduating class in the MDOC's welding vocational program. And so they had an intensive classroom study. They mastered welding back in 2022, starting with simulators at the new welding trailer and on the grounds of the Central Mississippi Correctional Facility in Pearl. And then they had to pass rigorous tests. And now they're certified by the National Center for Construction Education and Research and the National Standard in Construction Training. Um, they're going to be employable by a multiple heavy um, industries like ironworks and shipbuilding. And so their next step will be a job fair hosted at the prison. Um, and then also hopefully, you know, breaking the cycle of coming back in. Let's just get real. That is the good thing and the good opportunity that, that comes from all of this. Um, they can even shorten their time in prison by attending classes and graduating if they keep up their attendance and their grades and all some of the other things. And I think if you're going to have a reward system, they should should have something to do with educating and then giving them the skills needed so they have a fighting chance whenever they find themselves um, outside of, of prison. So kudos to them. Pretty cool. Welding and women are really taking off, which I think is just neat in and of itself. You don't have to go to prison, though, to learn welding as a woman here in Mississippi. <laughs> A lot of the community colleges are doing great work, too, in um, in sharing that trade uh, with females, but also with males, too. I just it's pro- predominantly not thought of as a female career, but it is growing in popularity, which I think is is pretty cool. You'll also know how I love turtles. I love that we have baby turtles all over. I say all over the state. We do. But on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, particularly, you may have seen where a nest of baby loggerhead turtles hatched last week in past Christiane. They made their way into the Mississippi Sound. And if you saw any of the videoing, I thought it was pretty cool that they had the red light. And they do this, the IMMS director, Mr. Moby, said, they did this because baby turtles, they find their way to the water by looking for the reflection of the moon. And so if you come out there and you have a bright light to watch this wonderful event, which who wouldn't want to see baby turtles hatch and find their way to the ocean? I think that'd be like bucket list item didn't know. I needed in my life, but I'd love to be there for it. And obviously you have, you take great respect and you don't mess with anything. You're there for observation only. And, and it should, it should be that way. Um, but anyway, they allows them to sort of view without messing up the babies, finding their natural way into, into the water, which yes, is the same cool. reason they have the little red filters. You've seen a uh, Forrest Gump. You've mm-hmm. seen the movie Forrest Gump, right? Yes. When he's when he's in Vietnam and he's writing letters to Jenny, uh-huh. and he's got that ninety degree angle flashlight with the filter on it that's mm-hmm. got the red light. That's so you don't mess up your night vision. 
because the red is a very narrow band of, of wavelength. So when you turn the light on, you can see more because you're putting light on whatever you're shining it on. But when you turn it off, you haven't ruined your night vision. So you can um, still see as almost as much as you would have before you turned it on. I didn't know that. Same I thought thing it was goes just to the be turtles. conspicuous. Is that the right word? <laughs> Inconspicuous would be what they're going for. Right? <laughs> you don't want to be conspicuous on a battlefield. It's a, it's a big word for me on a on a Tuesday that feels ultimately like like a Monday. Okay, well, um, in terms of turtles, obviously you have your Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which you love, and Pizza National, well, Cheese Pizza Day collides. So I've been waiting to ask you, do they eat – what pizza does the Ninja Turtles eat, in the original at least? I don't know in the – previous uh, pretty much anything that you could put on a pizza they would probably order it but i i do contend that they made the cheese pizza especially in the cartoon look far yeah. more aver- appetizing than it possibly can be in reality i feel like if you're a cheese only pizza lover you are in a class like of your own you are almost now the weirdo at the table, you are the you know outlier of when people at a party are getting pizzas or whatever it may be. You are the reason they can't just get one big one. It's like, and you and then a cheese pizza for Frank or for really Emily James. So our baby, EJ, she will not touch a pizza if it's got pepperonis or sausage or ha- or any anything else. She wants it. She doesn't even want it taken off. Like she knows it's been there, so now it's tainted. She only wants a cheese pizza. I think it's probably foretelling of some OCD of just that clean slate of cheese. I don't know. And she'll tear that up. So maybe she's really a Ninja Turtle. I just don't know it yet. Maybe. Maybe so. But I'm not mad at just a plain slice of cheese pizza, but it's not going to be. I do feel like I got cheated a little bit now that you know it all can go on a pizza. So yeah, you, I mean, free pizza is free pizza. I'm never going to turn down a free slice, mm-hmm. but I'm definitely not one of those people that's just going to order a cheese pizza because it, it's kind of like when you go to a fast food place and you get the the number one, whatever that may be, more than likely it's a burger, and you ask to take off the lettuce and the tomato and you just want it plain. Well, you're paying the same price as with it with all that stuff on it. The cheese pizza, more than likely, the large pizza price you're paying the same amount as you would as if you got it with some toppings. So, you, again, like you felt cheated, unless you're one of those strange birds who's just like, just cheese for me, please. I just want a cheese pizza. So National Actual Pizza Day is on February the 9th. There is a deep dish day. There's a cheese pizza day. But do you know there's not a thin crust national day? How did it get left out? Of all the random days, why doesn't Thin Crust have its own day? I feel like there somebody somebody is going to read that and go. I think it's because the Thin Crust is, while it's popular, it's not one that has a specific region dedicated to it. Like, say all of a sudden the southwestern United States just started ordering Thin Crust pizzas. If you show up with a regular crust or, heaven forbid, a deep dish, they're going to throw you out. You have to have Thin Crust. Then it might get its own day. But you got, like, the deep dish in Chicago where it's it's like a pie. Like a, well, not even like a pie. A cake it's made like of a cake, pizza yeah. toppings. That's 
that's the deep dish. That's the identity that's given to it. So you have a a, a region and a population that all push it on you. That's another thing that you get mad about, though. Like if you're a deep dish hand tossed person and someone orders thin crust, you're like, what, bruh, no. And then if you are a hardcore thin crust, that's the husband. And then you get hand tossed or deep dish. Ah, oh, it's too chewy. And I'm like, no, you people can't be sat like people cannot be satisfied. Patrick in Louisville said, my 24 year old, a 24 year old med student, will son will only eat a cheese pizza when he was uh, growing um, growing up. And then cheese pizza, just like my 15 year old, if it has anything else. On it? Nope, not eating it, says um, says Andrew. So, I mean, I think as grown adults, you should be able to say, I will pick off the, and recognize that. But depending on, I say that, and then I'm backtracking because I have tried that. Depending on how the cheese was put on and the pepperoni, you can pull off like half the cheese when you're meticulously trying oh, yeah. to get the pepperoni off for you picky cheese-only kind of people. But I get it. You like what you like, and you want what you want, and there it is. So I would say going back to the Ninja, Ninja Turtles, the one of the few things that they would poke fun at was anchovies on pizza. So for the longest time growing up, I thought anchovies on pizza were gross until I tried them. And I'll, I'll put it this way. If you like olives... You'll love anchovies. Yes. That's the only way I'm eating them is if on my mind it's just a another word for olives because they look like an olive. They smell like an olive. They kind of taste like an olive. And so if we can just leave it at that, then I'm good. But the moment you start talking about fish on your pizza or whatever it is, I'm kind of slowly starting to back myself out of wanting to have a bite of it. But at this point, I'm a supreme cut. I mean, I don't always get supreme. I've never met a pizza I just don't like. So... You know, at this point, put it on, <laughs> smother it and cover it in cheese and sauce, and I'll at least I'll give it a try once. Why hasn't Waffle House tried to make their own pizzas with all the toppings they've got? Yes. I don't know. I don't know. But a good supreme with all the things to me. It's the way. You just get it all in there. You're Like you said, you're going to pay the same price. You might as well just. But if you are a but cheese. does that include pineapple? <laughs> I'm not mad at it. I don't know. All right, stick with us. We got more for you coming up next. Somebody strong makes it known. Take it come along. Forget about loving you. And the Southern Cross. Rebecca Turner. She's smart and pretty. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. Watch good things on your computer or your mobile device. Just head on over to Super Talk TV. Rhino, you've been doing great with the music today here on Good Things. A lot of legends passing over the weekend. Which shocked you the most? Smash Mouth or? Uh, both were pretty sudden, but yeah, Smash Mouth definitely was more surprising. Because he was also so much younger. Yeah, he was, I mean, and 
will be nice since he has passed. His name is Steve Harwell, but he was the front man for Smash Mouth. And when you when you think of Smash Mouth, yeah. you see his face. You do, yes. Well, I guess, correct. I guess they will figure out their life and continue on in some probably former fashion. But then I also- want to say he had, because he retired due to some, some mental health issues and some struggles he was dealing with a couple of years ago. But I want to say I remember reading where he handpicked somebody to take over his lead spot. They just haven't really got off and going yet. Well, their music was big, I guess, our generation. Oh, yeah. So that kind of brings back. Mid to late 90s, early mm -hmm. 2000s. Brings back a lot of memories where I think with Jimmy Buffett, he transcended so many decades and generations for the love of his songs and what he sort of stood for that it impacted a much larger uh, sort of community, at least here. And while we were um, on, in New Orleans over the weekend for the Garth Brooks concert, I love that the Nitty Gritty Band, Lanny Wilson, Garth Brooks, all of them pay tribute in their own way, whether singing a song, having songs in between, or just bringing up the passing of Jimmy Buffett and what he meant to the coastal region. Obviously, we weren't in Mississippi, we were in, but still, that's the coastal sort of region. And it was just really cool to recognize that, you know, he wasn't a country singer, but he still transcended um, in terms of the genre. I mean, you could I mean, argue. He, he may not be a country singer, but he has definitely inspired an entire yes. generation of country singers. Absolutely, for sure. And the, everything I love, too, is just what a nice guy he was, and he stood for what he sung about and sort of just the, the kindness of his passing. Still the topic of music, but not the same. Metallica come to mind? Metallica, have you seen Have you seen this headline where I'm going with Metallica? No. This is where I, thought, I saw this, and I thought of you after I got tickled. So there was actually a dog that escaped home and it snuck into a Metallica concert, and the photo is going wild. Now, I don't know if the dog left home to go to the Metallica concert, but the dog ended up in the Metallica concert just sitting in a in a chair watching it, and the the owners, the, the dog's name is Storm, the owners said they didn't know how the dog got out of the house, and they found out about the concert adventure when they saw the photos online. He's a German shepherd named Storm, and he was taken to a shelter after he was being found sitting at a seat during the Metallica show at SoFi Stadium in England would just chilling in the back sat down listening to some tunes and then someone's like i don't know if we're seeing things but there's a dog just in my seat you know like if you come to a concert too there's always that strange hey can you move down one this is my seat imagine like going to get your drink or whatever it may be or going to the bathroom and coming back and you're like here's your german shepherd in my seat what do i do about that do you let him keep the seat do you ask him to move down one show you his past i don't know it'd be really freaky but also cool at the at the same time i would say that that's not the kind of music my dog would probably want to stick around and listen to they're not exactly i mean if your dog don't like fireworks they're probably not going to like that's what i was thinking metallica? like do they listen to metallica a lot in the house <laughs> and when he got out he was looking for his way home and he heard metallica he goes oh maybe that's home i don't know i have no idea but it's it's break the photo is what they call it breaking the internet, and um, yeah. So there you go. You wonder what if you if Porch Cat was to, I guess, show up to a concert. Which type? What, where do you think? Where would you, where could you see Porch Cat just taking a perch and enjoying some tunes? Uh, she'd probably show up to she she likes to think of herself as being fancier than she is, so she'd probably go to something like a symphony. 
But then waltz her happy butt up on stage and annoy the conductor. Like you're not doing that right. Yeah. I'm going to need you to, to sort of figure this out. I feel like Bailey would just be like more of a Floribama, Luke Bryant kind of fan, one that just don't really know what good music is, but just is there to have a good Bro time. Bro country. <laughs> yeah. She would definitely probably not appreciate Metallica at all, but yeah, that would be probably not any kind of of concert um, whatsoever, but I think the picture's cute and... Shame on the uh, owners though for not missing for not knowing that their dog was was gone. I don't know the whole like the whole rest of the rest of the story there, but dog found at Metallica concert. Pretty interesting. I wonder if he would go to Guns N' Roses. I don't know, but you still have a chance. They are coming to the Mississippi Coast Coliseum. You can go to supertalk.fm slash GNR if you want to find registration boxes near you. You do have to be 21 to enter. Pets not welcomed. That's not on there, but I'm pretty sure that's somewhere in the rules. But stick with us. She got more for you coming up next. She got the boys with Sports Talk Mississippi from 3 to 6. Friday and I will meet you back here tomorrow at 2. But until then, I hope you all find time for the good things. Talk Mississippi Media Production.